Okay, day two study. What's, can I get somebody to read verses one through four, please? Okay, so what were they demanding? Verse three, what were they demanding of Paul? Proof that what? Christ is speaking through him, yeah. What does he tell them in response? Verse three, to who is not weak in dealing with them? Christ, but is powerful among you. So it's not just me. See, it's not all about Paul. It's about Christ, who is there. It's his church, isn't it? The church doesn't really belong to the Corinthians. It belongs to Christ, and he's powerful there. You know, that's a, that's a good example of, of him being present. What is true about Christ? Verse 4, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. An ultimate example of 12.9, uh, my grace is sufficient for for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus is the illustration of that. He is the example for us. What is likewise true about Paul and his leader team? Verse 4. They are what? Weak in Christ. Okay, so their power doesn't come from themselves. They are weak in Christ. They're humble. They're submitted themselves to Christ. Yet by God's power, they will do what? Live by the power of God to serve the Corinthians. Okay, did anything else grab your attention? The thing that's, they, they got the warning. They had heard the warning before in his severe visit. They got the severe letter. They heard it there. Um, and the two people that Paul sent saw what was going on. There's enough evidence for a conviction. They're guilty, you know, of what they were doing. So it's, he's not pulling things out of thin air. They, they know it. Okay, question number six. <clears throat> Paul takes his authority and responsibility of servant leadership in the church very seriously. Summarize what he is saying to the Corinthians. How did you summarize that? Ah, getting to the heart of the matter. Yeah, not burdening them, but serving them. Yes, nicely put. Anyone else? Okay, let's move on. Uh, question seven, does God's power in verse four shown through his representatives include the authority to judge sin and correct sinful behavior in Christians? Yes or no? Yes, yes it does. Did you look at some of the verses in Second Corinthians that kind of prove that or showed that? Any of them that you want to share? He called out their sinful behavior earlier and he was showing that he wanted them to be what God wanted them to be. Yes. Okay, what else? Any other examples from 2 Corinthians? Remember the section where he said, um, what do believers have in common with unbelievers? And, you know, he gave those five, five or six different comparisons. And then he said in 7 verse 1, he said, separate yourselves from that which um, contaminates you. Purify yourself. Right, and that's not really, it's not judging when you're calling out something that is sin. I mean, there's no, you're not trying to determine whether what they're doing is sin or not. If it's clearly sin, then that's not really a judgment. That is just a stating a fact, which is what Paul did in 2 Corinthians. There could be a danger, though, if you consider yourself to be the self-appointed uh, <laughs> calling out person, yeah, that could, that could actually create more disharmony in the body, you know, if you can be overly critical, looking, at, looking for sin in everybody else's life, 
You know, what happens when you look for sin in everybody else's life? Usually you don't see your own, yeah. Yes, that the log and the, and the speck, yeah. Authority is something not to take on lightly when you have the authority of the Lord, yeah. It's serious. And what is his, his point? Twice he said we have authority from the Lord to do what? Build others up, not tear them down. That is the first priority. Good question. Any other questions? Okay, so um, what Christ did on the cross for us is the ultimate example of Christ's power made perfect in weakness. And after lesson five has that whole section on Christ's finished work on the cross, those are things that his power perfected for us as believers. So if you miss that section, you can go back and reread that. It starts on page 73. Question nine, is the proof of Jesus' hand on our lives found only in big money, big deals, flashes of fame, and our biggest dreams coming true? No. Good thing, right? It's not. So if anybody is telling you that, they are a false teacher masquerading as... What did she say? Super apostle, yes. <laughs> yes, masquerading as an angel of light. Yeah, which our pastor on Sunday used several verses from 2 Corinthians. It was like so right on. It was right on. Okay, let's turn to page 154. Someone read verses 5 through 10 for us. Okay, so he says first they should examine themselves to see if they're in the faith. And he says... Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Just reaffirming that. The only way that they would actually fail the test is what? If they had not done what? Received Christ, trusted Christ. Yes, that would be the only way that they had failed the test is if they had never trusted in Christ. They were just part of the group. Uh, What does Paul say about himself in verse 6? He says, I trust you will do what? Discover that we have not failed the test. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is his prayer for them in verse 7? They won't do anything wrong. This was my prayer for um, parenting when our kids went away to college, and that if they did anything wrong, they would get caught. Okay, so, and he says that they will do what is right, even though it seems like we have failed. You know, recognizing yourself, you're weak, and it may look, you know, he's, the Corinthians were looking upon them as, him as weak, because he wasn't this flashy, you know, speaker, whatever. Super apostle. That's right. You're going to remember those words, aren't you? But he wanted them to just do what was right and not have that dependent upon what other people think of Paul. On what is Paul's focus as he exercises authority over the Corinthians? His focus is that they would be stronger. What is it? Another translation says... Restored, restored. There, if you look at several translations, there's a bunch of different words used um, in English. The word in Greek means to be made complete, strengthening, perfecting, thoroughly equipped. That's what it means. I think the translators of several of the translations chose the fully restored because when it's used again in verse 11, the word that is used there can also mean to be restored. So I think they did that for consistency. What does he, why does he write such seemingly harsh words to them in verse 10? That's right, so he won't have to use them in person. Yeah. 
Why did Jesus give him authority? Verse 10. To build them up, not tear them down. Okay, that is so important for us to remember that. Paul wanted the Corinthians to take a hard look at themselves with the expectation they would discover that Jesus Christ was truly in their lives and working in their midst. What are some of the evidences that would show this to be true? Yes, conviction of sin, repentance, conviction of sin, love and peace, right? Yes, others? Okay, he saw some of their fruit, yes. Okay, what else? And then how should they respond to the false teachers? Kick them out. <laughs> Stop listening, yeah, to them. So that discerning error from truth would be one of those evidences that Jesus was working in their lives. What about obedience to Paul's authority as Christ's representative? That would definitely be evidence, wouldn't it? Yes, that humility there. All right, uh, relate verse 9 to what you learned in 2 Corinthians 12. What could Paul have meant when he said, he's glad when he's weak and the Corinthians are strong, or um, some translations said, fully restored? Does he really care what others are saying about him? Not really, huh? He wants to make sure that they hold to the truth, right? I did uh, look up the message for this one verse, and I kind of like the way that um, Eugene Peterson um, wrote it. We don't just put up with our limitations. We celebrate them. That sounds like last week, doesn't it? And then go on to celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth in you. We pray hard that it will all come together in your lives. Isn't this not a parenting verse? It is a discipling verse, a parenting verse, for sure. If you have influence over children, this is, definitely would be true for that. All right, any other comments about that? Okay, the proper use of authority in the church, I think we kind of talked about that already. It's to be servanthood first and to build them up, to strengthen them. But that does include undercutting any strongholds of sin. You know, the, the, if the pastor feels like there's a, something going on in the church that is definitely bad for the church, he can lay into it to, to undercut it, which is a good thing for the authority to do that. Okay, and then the proper use of authority would also stress obedience to and dependence on Jesus Christ as first and foremost for success and joy in life. So just like we've talked several times, human parents raise their children to be more independent of them and less dependent on them. But God chooses for his children to be less independent of him and more dependent on him. So any teachers, anyone in authority that encourages other believers to depend more on Christ than on themselves is doing the right thing in the area of exercising authority. Let's go to the next section. Someone read the last three verses, please. Okay. And he, he finishes many of his letters with these same kind of takeaways. And the second one, strive for full restoration in the NIV, whereas in other translations it says aim for restoration or perfection. Strive for perfection. Be made complete. All of that could be true. It doesn't have to... It, it's not an either or, really, all of that is true. The restoration would be them being restored to the pure devotion of Christ. 
being made complete would be growing up. Basically, it says grow up, <laughs> be mature in that way. Question 17, focus on the phrases, be of one mind and live in peace. So what did you find out? Did you find some other good verses that talk about those same things? Yes. Ephesians 4.12, Acts 4.32, and 1 Corinthians 1.10. Any other ones that you found? Yes, that's the one that jumps to my mind first. Philippians 2.2. 2. In fact, verses 1 through 4 from Philippians chapter 2, be others-focused rather than self-focused, like-minded and working together. And, uh, any other verses? Did you find anything else? Romans 12, he talks about in 16 through 18, with one mind and one mouth glorify God. Okay, so then the next question, how do you live in peace with false teachers? You don't. <laughs> you don't. You ask them to change their minds, right? And stick to the truth, or you separate yourselves from them, right? Yeah, good point. I love it, Kimberly. Okay, so let's read Paul's benediction, verse 14 together. Let's read that one because it is a good Trinity verse. So let's read it from uh, page 150, verse 14. 14. Read it together. Ready? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. There are several verses in the New Testament that mention all parts of the Trinity. This is just a, one of the really good, strong ones. What do you learn about the three persons of our one God from this verse? Different, different roles for us. Okay. What else? They work together. God's love for us planned Jesus' Jesus' sacrifice for us, which he gave his grace to us as a result of that, so that we can have fellowship together by that love and grace. Yes, it works. In 2 Corinthians, when it talks God, it is God the Father. When it's Lord, when he uses the word Lord, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, why God wants us to depend on him more than ourselves? To live by God's power, to deal with people? Yeah, you can't do it on your own. Forget it. If you even try. Um, to gain assurance that you are in Christ by your faith in him, we can have assurance. We can have the assurance that we belong to him. For our disciples to do what is right, even though we may fail. For our children to do what is right, even though we may fail. Uh, to stand for the truth, verse 8. To be fully restored and matured in pure devotion to Christ, verse 9. To be concerned for the disciples' growth more than your own personal reputation, verses 7 and 9. To build others up and not tear them down, verse 10. And then those, somebody else added, the five takeaways, verse 11. Really cannot do those on our own either. I'm going to add that to this list. Okay, so if you didn't get to finish all the lessons, that's something you can do in the gap time is finish all the lessons. <laughs> what takeaways do you have from this study? Is there anything that you have learned? Has your life been changed? Have you learned to depend on Christ more? You know, do you understand the whole concept better? What have you learned? What is your takeaway from our study of 2 Corinthians? Um, 